Now, one of the other things we always talk about on this show is housing, affordable housing, housing crisis. There's lots to talk about. Uh, now, recently, the NDP introduced housing legislation during this fall uh, legislative period. There was Bill 35, uh, which restricted short-term rentals. Uh, there was Bill 44 that requires municipalities to expand their housing stock, and Bill 47, which creates more than 100 zones which are focused on transit-oriented housing development. The plan um, is radical um, when you look at housing legislation. Uh, and when David Eby was on this show uh, just on Monday, uh, we had asked him about... Um, uh, uh, what do you hope to do when it comes to legislation? He talked about big swings. Well, David Eby was speaking to the BC Chamber of Commerce this week as well, uh, and he talked a little bit about how many new homes will be built under the new legislation over the next 10 years. Take a listen. We have retained some esteemed economists uh, to do some modeling for us on the, uh, on the uh, legislation that went forward. Uh, and they advise us uh, that, and obviously it's economic modeling, there's a lot of different factors to take into account, but on their projections, net new additional uh, 250,000 new units in the next decade, thanks to the legislative reforms that we put in place over the last legislative session. So that sounds great, 250,000 homes over the next 10 years, but somebody has to build them. Joining me now is Chris Gardner, president of the Independent Contractors and Businesses Association. Chris, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Jazz. Great to be on the show today. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about this. First of all, the modeling, uh, the Premier said on average 250,000 homes. Uh, I think the low part of that modeling said 216, 216, and the high part said 293, so averaging about 250,000. Uh, your members build homes. They built uh, uh, all types of infrastructures, infrastructure across this province. Do you believe that it is possible, possible to build 250,000 new homes under the present system, yes, I do. But but here's the problem: mm. uh, if you if you look at the report, page twenty one sets it out very clearly. It says the cause of housing shortages is regulatory. And what do they mean by that? They mean the rules, the regulation, the taxes, all the barriers that we put in place that that take it too long to build homes and that it costs to those homes. And so that really is the challenge. So CMHC came out with a report earlier this year and said we need to build in Canada eight hundred thousand new homes every single year between now and 2030 to meet current demand. How much are we building now? Well, last year we built 220,000 new homes. Nationally. Nationally. And in 1972, we actually built more homes. We built 230,000 new homes. So for the last 50 years, we have not really been able to move the needle on supply. So that is the challenge, and the report set that out really clearly. So we've got to address the rules and the regulations that prevent builders from doing what they do best, which is build homes. Um, what needs to change then? If you're saying we need to allow builders to build homes uh, beyond the regulatory side, speak to me a little bit about the labour situation at the moment. Well, you know, we have um, what we don't do a good job of in Canada is identifying the skills gap in our economy and then attracting people to the country to address those gaps in, in our economy. So, for example, this year we will take in about 460,000 new immigrants to Canada. Yeah. Only 2% of those individuals are going to go into the trades. So we've got a, an acute labour shortage of skilled tradespeople in this country, but our immigration system isn't doing the work it needs to do to address that skill shortage. That, that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. The other challenge here is that as we start to build more homes, 
if you look at what's happening to Canada, we, we're in a, in a situation where our population is expanding at a rate that we haven't seen since the 1950s, just after World War II. So StatsCan came out in, in the summer and said in, in July that our population had increased in this country by 1.2 million people. That's a historically high rate. So those people need to live somewhere, they need to rent housing. So as we start to build more housing, the challenges on the demand side, we're also, we've attracted uh, a whole bunch of new folks to the country that need to live somewhere. So the challenge is, is, is actually more, cha- more difficult than I think our elected officials are, are telling us. Yeah, I do find it interesting that a country like the United States with 300 million plus people I think they, they, they're allowing about 1.5 million people to come in. We are a country of 40 million with 1.2 million. The math just doesn't add up. And I, and I don't see any other G7 nation that remotely uh, is doing what we are doing in regards to people coming into this country. Now, if you want to make the argument, okay, we need the immigration, so be it. Uh, but there isn't the housing that is there. Um, is this a question, of, to be very blunt, that we need to actually reduce the amount of immigration we have in this country? Uh, if we're going to actually be able to balance people and housing to a certain degree? Because well, certainly the industry can't build at that much. Well, we're not going to build four times the amount of homes that we're building right now, next yeah. year, the year after, the year after that. It's just not going to happen because of the rules, the regulations. In terms of immigration and, and whether that, and immigration also, it's not just the permanent immigrants who are coming here, it's also international students. We have nearly a million international students studying in Canada. And so if you look at, and, and so we've got 2.2 million non-permanent residents now living in this country. That is historically, it's another record for Canada. So it's about balance. What, is, what should that number be? Nobody is saying we should be closing our doors. The question is, what is the number that we can digest in our education system, our healthcare system, and for rental housing and, and, and permanent housing? And we haven't really had that discussion. So if you look at what we're doing on the international student side, UBC, Sauter School of Business, first year tuition for a Canadian student is $5,800. For an international student, it's $58,000, 10 times as much. So we're basically incentivizing our post secondary institutions Mm -hmm. to go out and recruit international students. So what's that doing? It's creating an imbalance. And it's also denying Canadian students opportunities to study because international students are paying $58,000 versus $5,800. It's upside down. So we've got to have that discussion. We've got to have the discussion on the rules, regulations, and red tape. Listen, if... If Canada's, if all, every time a government says, whether it's Ottawa, Victoria, or City Hall, we've got a new program, we're going to raise taxes, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to put in more rules and regulations to get to affordable housing. If affordable housing in Canada was based on rules, regulations, red tape, and taxes, we'd have the cheapest housing on the planet. It's not working. And the report says it very clearly. The challenge with the housing shortage is a regulatory one. We are talking about housing, specifically the fact that uh, the B.C. government says that uh, a panel of noted economists uh, have modeled the uh, B.C. housing plan and said B.C. could have up to 250,000 new housing units by 2034, so over the next 10 years or so. Uh, But there's lots of challenges there, as Chris Gardner, our guest, uh, has articulated. He's president uh, and CEO of the Independent Contractors and Businesses Association. We'd love to hear from you in regards to how we kickstart more housing to be built and where you think some of the bottlenecks are, uh, because it's at City Hall, as Chris said, there's also challenges. And just in regards to labor as well, 604-280-9898. Let's go to Vince in White Rock. Hi, Vince. Hey, Jazz. How you doing? I'm doing well. What's on your mind? 
Well, you know, in the 50s and 60s, when the Europeans came over, my dad was one of them in the 60s, the trades that came over were impeccable. They were, they were, they were awesome. They knew how to build uh, Polish with floors. I mean, 250,000 homes, I mean, that, that's a promise that ain't going to be delivered. We're losing all our trades to, to Alberta. We're losing our trades because we're heavily taxed here. It, this this province is just, I mean, it, especially Vancouver, born and raised in East Vancouver, mm-hmm. was it was awesome. Those, day, those days are gone. In the 80s was fun, and we are going through a recession in 1980, and it was still fun. Yeah, it's so, a, it's a, I'm curious, are you of Italian heritage? I have to ask. I'm Italian heritage. My dad was a road builder. Uh-huh. And I became, I, I, I then started, I, I left school in, at, in grade 10. And I fell, followed in his footsteps. I've been running an excavator now for 25 years, you know. So um, our trades were were huge back then. Everything now that's getting built has been over budget in the last seven, eight years. Why? Because it's just we don't have the, the, the skill on the ground, the boots on the ground. Yeah. You know? Vince, Those days are gone. Yeah, Vince, thank you for your call. Really appreciate it. I had to ask his Italian heritage. He said East fan, and I kind of thought trades folks. And you're right. I mean, he, he raises a very good point. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of immigrants came to this country, especially the Italian community at that in that time. And uh, they've made such a contribution to this province and the city. And now, never mind just having enough tradespeople, can tradespeople actually afford to live in this, this city as well? That's part of the challenge, isn't it? Yeah, listen, uh, Vince makes a great point. We, we live in a time where we diminish the, the value of, of the work that people who work with their hands do. Yeah. It's vitally important to our economy. Uh, if you are in the skilled trades, if you're an electrician, a plumber, a drywaller, it's hard not to think when you wake up every day to go do your job that the deck is stacked against you. That you know the, that every level of government is looking to, uh, as you try and build your your subcontracting business, to tax you, to, make, to impose regulations, make your job more difficult, not helping you, vilifying you. Um, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's working with their hands in the trades. And we've got to change that narrative mm-hmm. uh, because if you're going to attract people to the trades, what people need to understand is when kids are in high school and they say, hey, I, I, I'm, I want, I'm interested in starting my own business, I guarantee you that, that 99 times out of 100, that counselor is going to say, go to UBC, go to SU, study accounting, studying business. What they should be saying is go to a technical school learn a trade, get some experience, and become a contractor. Because every single time you drive by a construction job site and you look at all those signs, those signs are family names, individual names, partners, mm-hmm. people who are taking risks, they're entrepreneurs, they're building a business. We should be supporting them and helping them do what we need them to do, which is build more homes. Yeah. Uh, let's go to George in Nanaimo. Hi, George. Hi, guys. I mean, this issue dovetails really nicely with your whole series on the next million. Mm-hmm. As long as we're having 20 people coming for every house we're building, we're never going to solve this problem. Your series has scared me more than anything I've ever listened to in my whole life, I think. And the only conclusion that I think we can draw from everything you've said is we should be doing everything possible to stop that from happening. Yeah, George, I really appreciate your call. Look, I, we're a country of immigrants, and I'm an immigrant, so let me put that up front as well. But the reality is the folks are coming. And it's not just a, I mean, the focus has been on Metro Vancouver, but there's going to be people moving in Nanaimo, a lot of them, and to Victoria and Campbell River, all those places, and we have to be ready for it. And I just don't see the folks there. And I appreciate the government saying we're going to build, but my worry is, Chris, as you said, 
are we looking at the core issue of what is holding us back or what got us into this mess in the yeah. first place when it comes to housing, right? Well, we have, an, uh, we have a, a housing crisis, an affordability crisis. And, and the challenge is that governments that, you know, Ottawa, Victoria, City Hall, if this really was a crisis that they were taking seriously, why aren't they sitting down together? You've got Ottawa making a decision and then Victoria making a decision and one city hall does something, another level does something else. They seem to be pointing, there's a lot of finger pointing. Um, there's a lot, they're working at cross purposes. Sometimes the policies are not consistent. Um, and so we're not really having an honest conversation about what it's going to take to move the needle on supply. Mm-hmm. Let's find balance in terms of the people where we, we want to come to this country. Let's make sure they have the skills to fill the gaps in our economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's understand what the rules and regulations are that are in place that are preventing builders from building the homes that we need. Yeah. Chris, as always, thank you. Thank you very much.